Section twenty nine of Great Men and Famous Women, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Great Men and Famous Women, Volume One, by Charles F. Horn. Warwick the Kingmaker, fourteen twenty to fourteen seventy one. Richard Neville, Earl of Warwick, called the Kingmaker, eldest son of Richard, Earl of Salisbury, and Alice Montacute, was born November twenty second, fourteen twenty eight. The history of this mighty peer is that of the whole of the contest between the two houses of York and Lancaster. The house of Neville had been built up by a series of wealthy marriages, and Richard made no exception to the rule. While yet a boy, he was married to Anne, daughter of the Earl of Warwick, and through her, after the death of her brother and niece, he took his place at the age of twenty-one among the chief earls of the English realm. By this time, the English rule in France had broken down, bringing the reigning house of Lancaster into great unpopularity and throwing a correspondingly greater influence into the hands of the leader of the opposition, Richard Plantagenet, Duke of York. He was brother-in-law to the Earl of Salisbury, and so attached to his party the powerful influence of the Nevilles. The Duke of York at first made no claim to the throne, demanding only that he should have his place in the councils of the king, and even when swords were drawn, the Yorkists swore their allegiance to the king, Henry the Sixth, while fighting against his advisers. Of these favourites of the king, the chief was the Earl of Somerset, whom many suspected of a design to establish himself as a successor to the throne. It was between these two factions of York and Somerset that the white and red roses were first employed as distinguishing badges. Plantagenet let him that is a true-born gentleman and stands upon the honour of his birth if he suppose that i have pleaded truth from off this briar pluck a white rose with me somerset let him that is no coward nor a flatterer but dare remain the party of the truth pluck a red rose from off this thorn with me warwick i love no colours and without all colour of base insinuating flattery, I pluck this white rose with Plantagenet. Shakespeare, 1 Henry VI. The Wars of the Roses began with the Battle of St. Albans, 1455, in which Somerset was killed. The victory was gained to the Yorkists, chiefly by the help of Warwick. By a sudden sally into the streets of the town, he routed the royal forces and gained for himself the character of daring and courage which he maintained to the end he was rewarded with the post of captain of calais which he retained throughout the changes of the parties in this position he was practically independent and scoured the channel at his pleasure in fourteen fifty eight he attacked some vessels which were under a treaty of peace with england and being summoned to london to answer before the king was violently attacked by the followers of Somerset, and barely escaped with his life. In 1459 the civil war finally broke out, 
in the first campaign the yorkists failed owing to their inactivity the leaders fled to the coast of devon where they hired five men to carry them to bristol as soon as they left land warwick stripped to the doublet took the helm and steered straight for calais where he arrived in a few days when somerset son of the earl slain at st albans came to claim the keys of the stronghold he had the mortification to find warwick there before him warwick was next in england on june twenty seventh fourteen sixty when he landed at sandwich with fifteen hundred men in four days he was before the walls of london having marched in that time a distance of seventy miles according to some accounts the common people so flocked to his standard that in those four days his force has swelled to forty thousand the city threw open its gates and joyfully welcomed him while henry fled to the north in the beginning of july the battle of northampton was fought the yorkists gained a complete victory and took henry prisoner before the fight warwick issued the command to spare the common people but to slay the nobles judging the quarrel to be more especially theirs and it is significant that throughout the wars of the roses the proportion of leaders slain far exceeds that in any other war up to this time warwick's conception of the war was merely the natural struggle of one party with the other for power using as their means the rude arguments of the time he still maintained his loyalty to king henry and when the duke of york after the battle of northampton presented his claim to the throne warwick opposed him and prevailed upon him to waive it till the death of the king but naturally such a state of things could not long endure warwick while respecting the person of the king was fighting against his orders and so while professing loyalty was actually a rebel soon the struggle blazed out anew and in december fourteen sixty the duke of york was defeated and slain at wakefield early in fourteen sixty one warwick was defeated in the second battle of st albans but the royalists not taking advantage of their victory edward son of the duke of york accompanied by warwick marched on london and was proclaimed king as edward the fourth soon after the yorkists gained a complete victory at towton the bloodiest field of the whole war nearly all the lancastrian chiefs were slain henry's cause was lost and ere long he was captured by warwick and lodged in the tower the credit of the crowning victory of towton does not rest with warwick alone for he had the help of young edward perhaps as great a military genius as himself little is known of the details of the fighting but we are told that wherever the earl of warwick was there the fighting raged hottest the earl was now the greatest man in england his extended connections and immense possessions were joined to the most distinguished personal qualities intrepidity decision and all the military virtues eloquence and general talent an affability and frankness of bearing that captivated equally all classes a boundless hospitality and magnificence that enthroned him in the hearts of the commons wherever he resided we are told he kept open house and the number of people daily fed at his various mansions when he was at the height of his prosperity exceeded thirty thousand 
when he came to london says stowe in his chronicle he had such an house that six oxen were eaten at breakfast and every tavern was full of his meat for who that had any acquaintance in that house he should have had as much sodden and roast as he might carry upon a long dagger but now when warwick might have expected to reap the reward of his labours new troubles arose king edward began to feel jealous of his power his unique influence and vast popularity it is said that warwick was sent to france to arrange a treaty with louis and to propose a marriage between edward and his wife's sister on his return he found the king married to elizabeth woodville daughter of lord rivers and an alliance made with the enemy of louis the duke of burgundy edward now lavished all his kindness on the woodvilles intending to use them as a counterfoil to the nevilles and for this purpose he deprived the nevilles of some of their posts by a series of deliberate insults warwick was driven farther and farther away from the king till he was forced into open revolt in july fourteen sixty eight his forces defeated the royalists with slaughter at edgecote and a few days later he made edward his prisoner the lancastrians at once rose again in favour of the aged king henry but warwick maintaining his allegiance to his royal captive suppressed all revolts with an iron hand and having received renewed pledges of good faith soon after restored edward to his throne two years later the king declared warwick a rebel and he was compelled to flee to france louis the eleventh used his influence in bringing warwick and margaret wife of king henry together and they agreed to forget their differences in the face of a common enemy clarence the new king's brother had previously married warwick's daughter and joined his party once more the kingmaker landed in england and advanced on london edward fled to holland and henry was again placed upon the throne but ere long edward secretly landed in england raised an army not without difficulty and met warwick at barnet the faithless clarence had in the meantime deserted warwick and joined his brother's army the army of warwick was composed of strangely different elements old enemies fighting side by side as friends the battle was lost mainly through a grievous blunder in the heavy mist which hung around the party of the earl of oxford were mistaken for the enemy and were attacked by their own friends a cry of treachery was raised and the whole army broke into utter rout warwick resisted till all hope was gone he had fought on foot throughout the battle and his heavy armour did not suffer him to escape he was surrounded and slain fighting manfully april fourteenth fourteen seventy one thus fell on the field of battle richard earl of warwick in the prime of his life after sixteen years of deep intrigue and desperate fighting had he been born in a more peaceful time he would have been a great statesman and have done much for the good of his country for his talents were more political than military and almost alone among the self-seeking rivals of the time he shows something of the instincts of patriotism cast as he was in the troublous times of the wars of the roses he stands out in character and genius above all those of his generation he was the best beloved man in the kingdom when he was away from england says hall 
the common people thought the sun had gone out of the heavens his personality had cast a charm over even louis the eleventh the heart of the yorkist party he was true to its cause till he found that his service was no longer desired he was not the man to sit quietly under insult and when it came from king edward who owed all that he was to him it was more than he could endure yet it was only when he found his every project thwarted and especially those that were dearest to his heart that he was driven into open warfare with the king his reason is capable of much justification he cannot be accused of forsaking his master he had in him the making of a great king and how great and useful might have been his career had fortune placed him over the councils of a charles the seventh or henry the sixth as it is he stands in worth and character far above any of his time a figure that commands not merely admiration but affection end of warwick the kingmaker